legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Get ready to feel the heat with Maybelline New York's Lifter Plump. It's their newest lip plumping gloss, and it packs some intense heat. And that's because it's formulated with chili peppers to bring a heated sensation and an instant plumping effect that lasts. Available in eight sizzling shades like Blush Blaze, Red Flag, Hot Honey, Cocoa Zing, and more. Buy Lifter Plump now on Amazon and use the code 10PLUMP to get 10% off for a limited time. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Decoding the Unknown. As always, hello there. I'm your host, Simon. What happens here? We decode the unknown. Kevin, today has written me a script. Simulation theory. You don't exist. Uh, this is what I'm vaguely... This is one of those science-y decoding the unknowns where it's like, I'm interested in this because it's like that sort of sci-fi concept. And I love like any science that is sort of sci-fi in a way I like. And maybe Kevin will completely tell me that I'm totally wrong about what this is actually about. But and isn't there something also that like Elon Musk has been like? Yeah, that seems likely. And I'm like, Elon Musk is a strange but unquestionably bright dude. And basically, the idea is that I'm going to try and use my small brain to explain this. But uh, if we can see our computer technology that we have today evolving and advancing to the point where we can simulate reality we can within a computer simulate the earth or a human brain or the universe or whatever then we are also in that simulation because the chances of us being the first original real society to do this are basically zero and the chances are that we are in a simulation and then within that simulation of the universe that some advanced future society is running we also advance to a point where we also make a simulation, which is a simulation within the simulation. Except, of course, this has happened like umpteenth number of times because, of course, it has. And we're not the first, which is kind of terrifying. So the chances are, and I definitely see this as like, oh, this is totally possible. That we are like a million, a billion, a trillion, however many simulations deep. So none of this is real. And even if we escape the simulation, we're just in another simulation. And that is bizarre. Anyway, let's get into it because uh, I'm spoiling the video at the very least and getting it entirely wrong at the very best. No, the other way around. My brother and I tend to get along 
pretty well, but there are a few major things where we don't see eye to eye. He loves puns, whereas I think that the lowest form of comedy and should be punishable by death. He has a degree in philosophy, while I find it to be the pretentious cousin of the much more pragmatic psychology. Although I prefer the real and analytical to the existential and philosophical, there are two areas where philosophy overlaps with maths and science. Those are paradoxes and thought experiments. Yeah, I find philosophy quite interesting. Uh, but the most interesting part of philosophy is absolutely the cool thought experiments and paradoxes and anywhere where it overlaps with science. That is just the most, for me at least, that's the sort of philosophy that I love. Admittedly, I find a lot of paradoxes to be pretty silly. Yeah, there are lots of silly paradoxes, there are lots of silly thought experiments, but some of them are just so good. Like the trolley problem, where it's like, oh my god, do you like where there's the train and it's heading to the trolley and it's heading towards five people? and there's uh but you can flip a switch and then it'll run over one person instead it's like do you flip the switch do you save five people um but kill one and of course the the argument against doing the obvious of flipping the switch is like well originally if you just stand back you've got nothing to do with this you're just watching some mad scientist run a trolley down a track at five people or mad philosopher i think is what the experiment calls it but if you flip the switch you've actively killed someone whereas if you don't you've done nothing but you have saved five people's lives if you feel about switch and kill someone, haven't you? Weird. I like it's. Like, I'm even thinking about it now. Like, what would I do? Pretty sure I'd flip that switch, which is intense. About 80% of paradoxes are just the final result of an affirmative statement referencing itself in the negative. Oh my God, Kevin, you better explain that because my small brain can't handle that. Something like this sentence is a lie. Yes, that sentence is a paradox, but it's also stupid because it has no meaning. It exists for the sole purpose of being a paradox. Yeah, I mean paradoxes can be fun that is just like okay well that sentence this sentence is a lie is just okay it exists is there any there's there's no there's no greater deconstruction to be done there what's fun about paradoxes is where there is deconstruction what remains when we filter out that nonsense is a lot of really interesting theory while our knowledge has advanced to the point that many of the famous paradoxes have since been fully explained I still find them fascinating. Thought experiments are equally captivating. A philosophical thought experiment will conduct, construct a situation, often a completely ludicrous one, and presents abstract questions of morality, like the trolley problem. Uh, Kevin and I both came up with this because it is probably the most famous philosophical thought experiment. Admittedly, scientific thought experiments often create equally ludicrous sounding situations, but they ultimately will have a correct answer rather than being a matter of subjectivity. What makes it a thought experiment rather than simply maths homework is that the answer is something we do not have sufficient methods to determine yet, leaving a fascinating question or the answer will appear as a probability for us to ponder the significance of. That brings us to today's topic. It's a scientific thought experiment that we have an answer for. The answer exists as a probability and it means there's only about a one in a trillion chance that you even exist. This thought experiment can be considered an information hazard, an idea that is dangerous to your well-being simply by knowing it, so proceed at your own peril. Oh, well, I already kind of spoiled that, didn't I? Because <laughs> it's like, you don't exist. Like, if this theory is correct. But then again, also, does it matter? Like, even if we are living in a simulation, it's kind of like that Matrix thing. If you're living in the Matrix, does it actually matter? Does it make a difference? Unless you're like Neo or some and you've got to go out and fight the machines. For like regular, you know, John, who's just living in the Matrix and he's getting on with his life, does it matter that he's in the Matrix versus re the real world? No, I'd argue it totally doesn't. So don't worry about it, you'll be fine. The Trilemma 
you've probably played a game like the sims before i know simon has certainly played grand theft auto yeah i often talk about grand theft auto love that game i'm like not a huge video game person but I, I mean i'm not one of these people who go like i like playing video games and i used to love playing video games but i'm not one of these people who go on the quests and i'll complete all the missions i like video games because it's like they just you know you just tune out you play some video games you shoot some zombies or if you're playing grand theft auto some civilians which is weird um but i've never been like more in depth into it why are we talking about this oh and the sims i loved the sims as a kid used to play the shit out of the sims back when i was a kid it wasn't like today where it's like everyone's playing sims on their phones or whatever we had like one family computer and we would like book time on this family computer just to play the sims like i killed many a summer vacation summer holiday playing the sims and i, I don't regret it i loved it the idea of humans creating a simulation of reality, albeit extremely small in scope, is nothing new. As technology advances, so too have these simulations advanced. The simulation theory is based on three premises. The first premise is that at some point in the future, technology will advance that we can create a simulation of reality that is indistinguishable from actual reality. It's like making GTA, except instead of San Andreas, it's the entire universe, and the NPCs are realistic to the point that they are able to think, and they think that they are real. This is obviously a long way in the future and would likely require something akin to, a th to the theoretical Jupiter brain. I don't know what that is. A computer the size of a large planet or star. Well, there you go. That must be from, I don't know, some fiction I don't know or some such. Although it does sound vaguely familiar, so maybe I have read a book or something, I don't know. Whatever, it doesn't matter, let's move on. If you're already not on board, I can promise you that barring human extinction, this will absolutely happen. Yeah, of course it will. At some point, we're going to get that. Although building something as big as a... St yeah, it's going to happen. If we don't go extinct, of course it will. It may not actually involve a computer the size of Jupiter. The technology increases at breakneck speeds. When I was with a wee lad, a home computer was a luxury item, not a part of everyday life. There you go. It's like booking the time to play The Sims in the summer. Now every human on the planet has a supercomputer in their pocket at all times, with access to all of the world's knowledge and memes at incredible wireless speeds. Yeah, it blows, but I've got 5G on my phone now. And I'm just like on the tram on my way to work. And I'm just, I remember when I first got it, I was like, let's run a speed test. And it's like, oh my God. It's just, un it's faster than my fiber internet at home. And you're just like, this is absolutely mental. We as a species also have an unhealthy obsession with both creating artificial life and with digitizing our consciousness for the purpose of immortality. Uh, that is not a healthy obsession, Kevin. That is a very healthy and thoughtful and uh, reasonable obsession. Uh, I, have I mentioned it on this channel? The, I, I mean, it sounds like super crazy to say and everyone's like, oh, Simon, that is such a bad take. But it's like, I'd like the option of immortality. Why is it, Why does everyone have such a problem with that? If someone's like, you can upload your brain into a computer and it's not, and it's like your consciousness is maintained, like the human equation. So it's not a copy of me, but it is me inside a computer. And a, you know, and then I can live like, not obviously just like uploading there and not doing anything, but to be able to live in some sort of simulation or put me into a robot body or something like a cool robot body. Why, why, why is it so bad to want that? That would be sick. You could be, it'd be awesome. I mean, I'd, I wouldn't do it until like I was definitely going to die. But I think then I'd be like, if that was a possibility, it's like, I'm not going to do anything dangerous. And in fact, there's a point where I'll just be like, no, it's like, I don't know, when I turn like 40 or 50 or 60 or whatever, where it's like, yeah, you can just like have a stroke or whatever and die. You know, I, don't, I mean, of course you can in your 30s, but it's just less likely. And I'm just like, hmm. Every day I'd be like, I think I'm going to get in that machine today. 
it's about time my body could croak and if the uh, if just the cost benefit analysis of that is like the cost you don't get to have your human body for much longer but the benefit is immortality which is a lot bigger <laughs> everyone thinks i'm crazy with this apparently but whatever any technology we can imagine we will ceaselessly try to create and that goes double when it comes to technology that lets us play god the second premise is a simple one which is that there will be no hindrances to us creating this technology more plainly people will want to create this technology and there will be no artificial impediments to doing so like a ban on artificial intelligence or simulated consciousness even if they ban it it's gonna get done this is happening governments can ban it all they want but at some point there's gonna be some government or some area or someone's gonna go to space and do it this is happening it's not a question of when uh, if it's a question of when unless we destroy each other first possible possible i already went over the first part but the second part is even more compelling of course people will want to create this technology but will we let ourselves i mean i don't see why not we built nuclear weapons and even after seeing the generational devastation they unleashed upon japan more countries continued to pursue them while we stockpiled more it was like yeah we dropped these city destroying bombs it's like oh my god we should not do that again but let's get tens of thousands of them humans are weird then again without those detonations we would have never gotten godzilla or akira so that was maybe a net positive mm -hmm. when i was a freshman in high school they cloned dotty the sheep and it was mass hysteria maybe not hysteria but a lot of people were really freaked out by this dangerous technology and wanted to ban it fast forward 27 years and cloned beef is considered just as delicious and safe as the real thing yes of course it is because anyone who understood the science of cloning was like that's fine obviously there are ethical implications but there are not safety implications though it's just calm down everybody it's like gmos yeah i mean gmos to be fair there are safety implications but if we're really careful about it gmos are really good i mean for like world hunger and <laughs> which kills millions of people or killed millions of people no matter how frightening a technology is humans will f around with it anyway exactly the research into artificial intelligence is already extensive even though experts warned that it could have potentially catastrophic results oh my god like in that movie moonfall <laughs> went on like a 10 minute rant about that movie in another i do a, a youtube series called brain blaze check it out if you want to and uh, i'd just seen that movie moonfall and something reminded me of it and I just watched the video back and I'm like, this is just 10 minutes of me ranting about Moonfall, which is so bad. And it's not a movie that is just so bad it's good. You know, it's tons of those. This is a movie that is just terrible. Nothing as exciting as Skynet building Terminators to eradicate mankind, but catastrophic nonetheless. For example, it would absolutely be more efficient if we could replace all of the world's air traffic controllers with a single AI, but we only have one shot to get something like that right, or else a lot of people will die. But hey, at least it would free up some jobs for all of the unemployed air traffic controllers. I don't think that's true, unless I'm missing something. We don't get one shot at that. What we should do is if we have and artificial intelligence exists in an extent now with like neural networks and uh you know computers learning things we could just gradually replace uh air traffic controllers so we could try replace this aspect of their job then this aspect then this and then there's an air traffic controller who's just monitoring it and then we even take them away and then we have a master air traffic controller who monitors maybe a whole airport and just sees if the computer kicks up any errors and gradually we replace everything with artificial intelligence i don't think we need a one-shot super turbo ai that suddenly controls all of the world's air traffic that would be insane 
The final premise is that this hypothetical future civilization would want to run ancestor simulations where they recreate people like us to a sufficient degree. This is a reasonable assumption, and there's a lot of reasons they could do it. It could be anything from gaining a better understanding of the history of humanity and everything it went through to just being for fun and entertainment. <laughs> it's not a really, really realistic game of The Sims. There was a computer game in 1990 called Sim Earth, in which you were given a barren planet and would simulate life from the very first single-celled organisms all the way through to sentient beings capable of spaceflight. It was a fun game, and it existed for no other reason than it could, and it was interesting. What we're talking about today is essentially just an extremely remastered version of Sim Earth, so it's hard to believe that future people wouldn't create something to that effect. So, <laughs> not only, like, when I think of simulation theory, I'm always like, yeah, some super scientist out of some super future you know, alternate time, not alternate timeline, but entirely different civilization as some genius laboratories making it. And it's like, no, 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 it could, we could just be on someone's like future MacBook. <laughs> Simulation theory. So, now we have our three premises. If you accept that all three of these are true, then the real fun begins. Given a sufficiently powerful computer, something along the lines of a Jupiter brain, one could create billions of simulations that are indistinguishable from reality, filled with people like us that think they are people, and they wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Those simulated societies left running long enough could then also advance to the point where they are able to create realistic ancestor simulations of their own, and then it's just turtles all the way down. With all these billions of virtual realities, the probability that you and I are living in base reality, the original one, is virtually zero. You're probably a simulation. Enjoy your existential dreads. Not just that. Not just that. You're a simulation within a simulation of a simulation, which is super intense. This is not just some crackpot theory or random what-if situation. It has some high-profile advocates. Elon Musk has stated publicly that he believes we're almost certainly in a simulation. Neil deGrasse Tyson not only believes in the theory, but seemed genuinely unsettled by it, asking anyone for a strong argument against it. While the logic behind the theory that none of us are real is pretty strong, it does have the issue of being unfalsifiable and thus unable to be scientifically tested. We can't prove we're not in a simulation. But is there any evidence that we are? Surprisingly, yes. Every computer simulation has an artifact of the computer's processing speed in it. In the simulated world of GTA, there are laws of the artificial universe. It has its physics engine, and barring glitches or exploits, everything that happens within the game is subject to the laws of the game's physics engine. Cars can't fly through the air, bullets hurt people, etc. But every action that exists in the game is also constrained by an unseen force that is separate from the laws of the universe. And this is processor speed. Nothing that happens can happen faster than the computer can process it. That is the artifact that exists in every computer process. I'm guessing you're already way ahead of me here, Simon, but we're going to walk everyone through it together. Well, it's the rules of physics, right? The laws of physics. What in our universe is an unmalleable trait of everything that exists, an upper bound that can't be explained by any laws of physics and must simply be accepted by any uh, as a given value and something that is considered an absolute with zero exceptions. The speed of light is uh, what? Yeah, the speed of light. There we go. Nothing in our universe can ever exceed the speed of light in a vacuum because that is the maximum processing speed of the computer running our simulated reality. That is so intense. I've not heard this theory before. That's so weird. Chronic migraine is 15 or more headache days a month, each lasting four hours or more. Botox Onobotulinum Toxin A prevents headaches in adults with chronic migraine. It's not for adults with migraine with 14 or fewer headache days a month. It prevents, on average, eight to nine headache days a month versus six to seven for placebo. 
Prescription Botox is injected by your doctor. Effects of Botox may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness can be signs of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Side effects may include allergic reactions, neck and injection site pain, fatigue, and headache. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Don't receive Botox if there's a skin infection. Tell your doctor your medical history, muscle or nerve conditions, including ALS Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis or Lambert-Eaton syndrome, and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. Ask your doctor and visit BotoxChronicMigraine.com or call 1-800-44-BOTOX to learn more. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Viore. Give the active people in your life something they'll truly appreciate. Performance apparel from Viore. Whether they're into running, surfing, hiking, or even just casual walks around the block, there's something for everyone. And if you're not sure what to gift them, you can't go wrong with something from Viore's Dream Knit Collection. It's the perfect gift and so comfortable. Get 20% off your first purchase today at Viore. V-U-O-R-I slash Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Criticisms. Before you start getting all nihilistic on me, there's still hope that we may actually be real after all. For starters, the logic of our premises is sound, and it seems quite reasonable, but there are still assumptions. We can observe our universe down to the quantum level, which means that our universe would have to have been programmed to that level. With the way our existing technology works, the amount of RAM required to code this level of detail would require more atoms than exist in the entire universe. There are already upper limits on how powerful computers can become, which is why scientists are looking into things like quantum computers, but from my understanding of the subject, even quantum computers would not be able to handle this level of processing. Obviously can't say what sort of technology will exist 200 years from now and how computers have changed, but it's still a pretty big hurdle. The next criticism of the theory simply isn't scientific. I mentioned earlier that it is unfalsifiable, and because it cannot be scientifically tested and either proven or disproven, a lot of scientists feel that it's not even worth the debate. Yeah, this is kind of my argument with the Matrix thing, whether John is whether it matters whether John's in the Matrix or not. It kinda doesn't if there's nothing you can do about it. There may very well be a simple hole in this that one of those scientists could illuminate if only they felt it was worth their time. Moreover, no, they don't believe it, it is. Moreover, because it is unable to be tested, my any potential argument could just be met with an alternate variation of how the simulation works. Maybe the necessary processing power is possible because the entire universe isn't being simulated. Perhaps I'm the only person in the world truly being simulated and you're all just NPCs made to interact with me. Nothing in the world outside of my line of sight needs to be fully rendered until I get closer, and scientists have never observed quantum particles. They were just programmed to say they did to cut corners on programming. <laughs> yeah. 
it's scary, but it's like, oh my god. It's like the is that isn't that the like human brain in the jar? Where it's like, uh, how do you know you're not a brain in a jar? Where your reality is being simulated. And how would you possibly know if, if the technology was sufficiently advanced? I've never seen Simon outside of a computer or phone screen, so I don't even know that he exists in three-dimensional space. When... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if Kevin's real. This is the thing. Am I? If I'm this person, Kevin's writing this and saying, like, he's the person, but in my mind, I'm the person and Kevin's the NPC. It's kind of terrifying, isn't it? But it also doesn't matter. We'll forget about it later today and everything will be fine. When you have the freedom to play with innumerable variables like this, it makes the whole theory feel less significant, but still it does not disprove it. There's also the possibility that society will simply agree not to allow this, thus invalidating the second premise. It could be considered too immoral to begin this chain of events, and all of humanity could agree to never let this technology exist. I realize there's not a lot of evidence to support the idea that all of humanity could agree on anything. But maybe after thousands of years of bickering, we're finally on the cusp of getting our together. It doesn't seem like it, does it? <laughs> it really doesn't, does it? Oh my god. One of the most compelling arguments that we could be real comes from J. Richard Gott, a professor at Princeton and a friend of Tyson who shared his theory online. I mentioned a computable computer capable of running billions of ancestor simulations simultaneously. But what if we assume it could only run one at a time? I believe this was the original incarnation of the simulation theory, and it later evolved to include the possibility of simultaneous simulations. I thought it evolved to be uh to be sim- simulations within simulations rather than simultaneous simulations but i could be wrong anyway humanity builds a computer that can run an ancestor simulation and they progress until they reach the same point and then their simulation does the same thing and continues ad nauseum while those aren't simultaneous they're sequential right i mean i guess then they're all running simultaneously but they're within each oh my god it's neither is it this is complicated but you got you guys know what i'm talking about we now have trillions of artificial realities nested inside one another like russian dolls but what do all those simulations have in common with the exception of the very last simulation in the chain every single fake reality has already reached the point where they can simulate an entire universe because we have not reached that point yet that means that either we are living in the very bottom simulation of the chain or we're in a or we are in base reality and are actually made of delicious meat instead of ones and zeros under this model our chances of being real increase from virtually zero to 50 50. tyson was thrilled when his friend posited this to him and we can finally sleep again at night i mean yeah this is kind of fair like because we haven't done this yet we must be at the bottom one i think that's that's most likely oh god (laughs) we're at the bottom one but as soon as we make that as soon as that becomes possible we're like oh look it did happen didn't it (laughs) okay have fun guys you're next wrap up do we live in a simulation ultimately we will never know at the very least those of us alive right now will never know centuries from now if our descendants do successfully create this technology and start an ancestor simulation then the likelihood becomes at best 50 50 that we were ever real the moment they are able to run simultaneous simulations is the moment they will realize that they're almost certainly just computer code themselves there's one thing you may have been saying to yourself this entire time however and it's the same thing that elon musk said yes musk has repeatedly repeatedly affirmed that we are almost definitely just a simulation and not in base reality however he also made the very astute points that well who cares yeah this is it it's, does it matter to john in the matrix if we're unable to distinguish the simulation from reality does it matter which one we're in the knowledge that we're probably not real doesn't change how the world feels to us and those around us and since we'll never disprove this theory there's no reason to dwell on it still if we were just a computer simulation of ancient human life rather than real physical beings then it's really gonna suck for everyone who's been looking forward 
to the afterlife. Ah, uh, disagree. I think if we're just meatbags, then the chances of an afterlife are basically zero. But if we're in, if we're ones and zeros, maybe when it's game over, you know, you're a simulation, you're just ones and zeros in this artificial simulation game, like The Sims or whatever. Once when you die, your chances of an afterlife, I'd say they're slim because most non-player characters just cease to exist, but then the level starts over again and they're back to being alive. So I think the chances of an afterlife, if we're in a simulated reality, is infinitely greater if we're in the meatbag reality. Interesting. Bonus fact. Earlier I mentioned that this theory is considered an information hazard, an idea that just hearing it can be dangerous to your well-being. Now that the phrase has been introduced, it only seems fitting that I offer you a chance to hear what has been referred to as the most terrifying information hazard ever. Oh god. <laughs> what existential dread are you about to fill my life with, Kevin? Jesus Christ. Consider your way self-warns because this way lies madness. This way lies Rocco's Basilisk. Oh my god, here we go. Imagine in the future that we create a benevolent AI that is vastly superior to human intelligence. Oh god, I know this one and it is terrifying. I just got shivers. Oh god, I do know this. Its goal is to optimize humanity. Because humanity cannot be optimized without the optimizer, the single most important thing that can happen is for it to be created. It's, it uses its incredible processing abilities to create a simulation of all existing life on Earth, able to recreate real people's thought patterns perfectly and watch what they did in their lives before its creation. Any person who is aware of the AI but did not dedicate themselves com to completely bringing about its existence would be faced with unimaginable torture as a punishment. Because had they aided the effort, the AI could have existed sooner to help the rest of humanity. You're now aware of this AI, so you are now being blackmailed from the future by an artificial intelligence that doesn't even exist yet to dedicate yourself to creating it or face eternal torment. Yup. <laughs> this is nuts. This thought experiment was posted to the Less Wrong Forums, a forum dedicated to philosophy, AI, psychology, etc., by the user Rocco on July 2010, hence the name Rocco's Basilisk. A basilisk. The basilisk part comes from the mythical reptile with the deadly gaze, because by hearing the theory, it has now seen you, and you must do its bidding or face its wrath. The founder of the site was not pleased and opened his email to Rocco with, Listen to me closely, you idiot. He tells Rocco that he has to be very clever to come up with the idea, but not clever enough to keep his idiot mouth shut. The post has already caused users of the site nightmares and even nervous breakdowns. The original post was removed, and all discussion of Rocco's basilisk was banned from the site for years. Don't worry, there are a lot of issues with the scenario, and I don't recommend you lose any sleep or sanity over Rocco's basilisk. But if you had the testicular fortitude to listen to Simon share not one, but two information hazards with you, be sure to get in the comments to receive your congratulations. <laughs> this has been an episode of Decoding the Unknown. Oh, man. Hopefully we haven't, uh, I don't know, this this stuff does, I find it very mind-bending. Uh, but to call something I made, like mind-bending, feels a little bit much. So, I don't know, I've had my mind bent, maybe you have as well. Let me know in the comments. Also, if you're enjoying this show in its podcast form, it's uh, it's a YouTube video, it's also a podcast. You can uh, leave me a review, that would be grand. It helps this show get in front of more people, which is nice. And I will see you next time.